Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Michelin tires. Go to TireRack.com sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Thanks for listening to the best of Outkick the Coverage podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. No matter where he's at, Clay Travis is available. He's out in Los Angeles. My name is Jason Martin, host of the Jason Martin Show. That's a thing. Now on Fox Sports Radio on Sunday mornings, 3 to 6 a.m. Eastern Time. Also the former executive producer of this fine program. But we go to a hotel and quite a scene out in uh, out in Los Angeles this morning. Clay, how are you? Good. I got in late last night, um, flew uh, cross-country, so uh, I got to the hotel really late, and obviously it's really late and or early, depending on how you want to classify it, depending on what time zone you're in right now, and this was wild. They gave me a hotel room, right? It's a hotel I've stayed in in Los Angeles a ton uh, when I come out to do stuff with Fox, and I, you know, tired, you know, kind of bleary-eyed, you know how it feels when you get to a hotel room late at night. And I walked, uh, you know, I wasn't really paying that much attention, got the key card, put it in, walked right into somebody else's room. (laughs) So they had given me uh, a room that was occupied. And uh, I didn't see a person, you know, like it was just clearly occupied. And uh, and my first thought was like, oh, my God, like, I'm, you know, in this modern Me Too era, I was like, oh, God forbid if I walked in on some woman, right? Like, I mean, she'd be terrified. And also, I'd be terrified. It'd be like, uh, you know, two people shrieking and running in the opposite direction simultaneously. Uh, but this is like, uh, remember my story about how um, I was, uh, we've got a, a cleaning service that comes to the right, house. Right. And like, I was in the shower and the cleaning lady just stood outside and cleaned while I was in there. And I was <laughs> like, I don't, I don't want to get, you know, me too because I try to come out of my shower. And then here I am trying to just check into a hotel room and it's like, you know, 
Fox Sports Radio's Clay Travis walked in on me. Next thing you know, it's showing up on TMZ. Some people are out to get you, man. You've got to, I, you've got to be to really careful. Up. I don't know. I don't know what's going on here. All right, so uh, the crew out in L.A. said, look, uh, the Zion Williamson stuff, you've spent a whole lot of time over the last few weeks talking about how Zion Williamson would not play again for Duke. Last night, I'm pretty sure I saw him in a Duke uniform score 29 points and go 13 for 13. I'm going to go ahead and drop a couple of stats for you here, and then we'll discuss this in larger scale. First player with 20 points, five steals in an ACC tournament game since Tyler Hansborough in 2009. First Duke player with 25, 10, and 5 since Christian Leitner in 1992 in the ACC tournament. The 13-shot team made tied Brad Doherty from back in 1985 for Carolina against UCLA for the most consecutive makes in a single game by an ACC player. This was something else to watch. Duke is a completely different team with Zion on the floor. I, I do not remember a team that had three top five NBA picks coming up. Two of them have been healthy this whole time. But without the third, it's like those two don't even matter. Even though R.J. Barrett had a great second half for them to pull away from Syracuse, who played them very tough, Zion Williamson comes out there, goes 29. He just he was absolutely ridiculous in this game. He lived up to all the hype and then some. If you waited to watch that nightcap, you got what you wanted if you wanted to see Zion Williamson on the floor. I was in the air, uh, but I was following it on uh, you know my my Wi-Fi connection and everything else, and certainly people were blowing up my Twitter feed because I said I didn't think he would come back, and for three weeks I was right, uh, and then he came back and he came back with a vengeance. I mean, he wasn't just on the floor; he was. You just ran through all those stats. He was as dominant and transcendent of a basketball player as we have seen in a long time. And there's a couple of stats that, that blow my mind about – you hit on it. I mean, you got three top five picks theoretically, and it's as if the first two don't matter when they play together, but Zion comes and it's like they're the Avengers all of a sudden. Yeah. I mean, it, it, the, the powers of the trio, or maybe the analogy is that they uh, that they turn into Thanos, you know, and obviously I'm sitting around watching all the new Avenger trailers because my kids are obsessed with that. So I spent – before I hopped on the flight to fly out here – we're watching all the new Avenger stuff, but it is it is remarkable what he represents to Duke. I mean, he makes them in the six games that he didn't play, and and it was five complete games and one. You know, he played the first minute against UNC. They were 16 points better offensive and defensive side of the ball. I mean, worse without him there, yes. right? I mean, there's there he's a 16 point difference maker, mm -hmm. which I don't remember ever seeing ever. If he is capable of playing like this, then Duke is back to being the only team that they lost when they were at full strength was I think they lost to Gonzaga back in the Maui Invitational, if I'm not mistaken, right? Duke is still, I mean, as good as Zion was, they barely, I mean, they won by 12. That was a competitive game in the second half. They got out early. I want to see what they're going to do against UNC, who has obviously beaten them twice, and we'll see that uh, later today. And I want to see how they're going to do if they win. I think that UVA will beat, I believe it's Florida State, mm -hmm. and advance into the, into the title game. We know that Duke has been good against UVA. But in order for me to fully believe that Zion is back, and look, he was a man-child out there today, uh, I need to see that he is capable of, uh, of, of beating a really soundly solid team against uh, UNC and also that his shoe is capable of holding That's up right. for him. Uh, but this this race for the number one seeds with Texas Tech losing, maybe uh, knocking themselves off of a seed line, 
against uh, against West Virginia with you got Tennessee and Kentucky and LSU and all the drama that's surrounding that situation uh, that's going to be playing out in Nashville at the SEC tournament. There are a lot of teams. UNC, I, I think certainly UVA has clinched a one seed. I'm curious what you think. Gonzaga loses to St. Mary's. Depending on what happens, you know, kind of going forward, maybe they're not as solid of a one seed as we thought. UNC's in the conversation. Duke is in the conversation. Michigan State might be in the conversation. Tennessee, Kentucky, uh, may, probably not LSU because of the Will Wade situation. Right. But coming down the stretch, there are a lot of teams still as we head into the final weekend of before the tournament that could make the case that they deserve to be a one seed. I'll lay out the case about Zion. This is sort of conspiracy theory-ish that I laid out on my show on Fox Sports Radio on Sunday morning, and that is I thought it was brilliant, whether they meant to do it or not, for Duke not to let Zion Williamson play against North Carolina. After the game, he said, look, I could have played a couple of games ago, but they wanted me to be 110%. I looked at it and said this. What exactly was the benefit to Duke playing Zion Williamson against North Carolina, a team that they already know can beat them even with Zion Williamson on the floor on any given night at the Dean Dome. When, if you don't play Zion, and then tomorrow you play North Carolina, or later today now you play North Carolina, and you beat them after Zion comes back, knocks off some of the rust, which apparently there wasn't a whole lot of rust to knock off against Syracuse, and you beat Carolina... Then all you can do is go back and put an asterisk next to both of those UNC wins and say, look, Carolina did beat Duke twice, but they didn't beat the real Duke. They yeah, didn't look, beat the I, whole Duke. Yeah, I, I, I don't necessarily disagree with that. What surprised me was that he didn't come back, I believe, for the game against Wake Forest. Yeah. I thought he would come back for what would have been his final game in Cameron Indoor only play maybe 10 or 15 minutes, but get a little bit of a run going. I thought, and maybe I'm going to be proven to be wrong, that bringing a guy off of an injury and then playing him potentially in three straight days is a strange thing. I mean, I, to bring somebody back, maybe maybe we're going to see Kentucky do the same thing with Reed Travis, but generally speaking, that seems like it would be really hard to do uh, for a big man to put a lot of effort and energy and, and, and exertion onto that knee as you recover and also just get back into the run shape, right? I mean, physically, it, it makes a big difference, I would think, whether you get a couple of days to recover after a tough game versus going boom, 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 especially when the latter two of those would probably be against two of the six or seven best teams in the entirety of the country. So what would your uh, what would your teams look like right now? Like if you were breaking it down, here's what I would say, uh, would look like my number one seeds. And this is going to be adjusted if you asked me at the end of Friday as we head into Saturday, it would change, and certainly it would change again on Sunday. But right now for me, UVA is my unquestioned number one overall seed. Now, we know what happened the last time UVA was the unquestioned yep. number one overall seed. They lost to Maryland-Baltimore County. So, But right now, UVA, I think, has been the best team throughout the season in college basketball. They would be my one. I'm not really sure on anything after that right now, mm -hmm. right? Because I think Gonzaga, I did have slotted in at my two. But depending on what happens with UNC, depending on what happens with, uh, with Kentucky, with Tennessee, with Duke, uh, with Michigan State, I think there are a lot of teams out there that could make a case. And, and, heck, you know what? If LSU came out, even without Will Wade, and dominated and won three straight games and was the SEC regular season champ as well as the SEC tournament champ, I think you could make a case for LSU even as a potential number one overall seed. I don't think they'd get it, 
because of the off-the-court shenanigans surrounding that program right now. Uh, but, uh, but I think right now you can make a case that there are three different teams in the ACC that have a legit shot at being a number one seed. I don't think they would go with three. I think you're probably going to end up with two. And uh, that's why I think whatever happens in this Duke-UNC game is likely going to decide potentially who the final number one seed will end up being. Uh, because I do think that whoever wins that Kentucky-Tennessee game, uh, assuming it happens, assuming both Kentucky and Tennessee win later today, uh, that that game could have a uh, substantial impact in uh, a number one seed as well. No, I agree. I think that Virginia's definitely number one. I think Gonzaga has probably shown enough, even with the loss to St. Mary's. And then you look at... Tennessee and Kentucky. I don't think LSU can get there. I think Tennessee, Kentucky. I think for Tennessee to get a one, they're going to have to look impressive. Whoever wins between Duke and Carolina and advances to the final, they're probably going to be a number one. Michigan State, I just don't know. The Big Ten is loaded. It might be the best conference in America if you look at like the middle of it, which means some of these top teams have a chance to be upset. The fourth seed, I don't know. SEC tournament champion, I think, gets in assuming it's Kentucky or Tennessee I think that you probably get two from the ACC and I still think that Gonzaga definitely goes that's probably the way I would see it going right now yeah and look and for people out there the, the reality is the difference between being the fourth number one seed and the first two seed is relatively insubstantial because you would theoretically have those two teams set up to play and it wouldn't really matter in theory, whether you were the one or two at that point, you'd be meeting somewhere with a, a trip to Minneapolis, uh, in theory, on the line, right, in the Elite Eight. Look, Zion, I think it's fair to say, vastly exceeded all expectations and relevant uh, realities that you could have hoped to see from him. And uh, I, I think it's going to be hard to uh, hard to believe that he could come back in and play multiple games as good as that, but we'll see because – UNC Duke Part 3, we got it, right? It's the best rivalry in college basketball, and we're going to get a third opportunity to see it. And Hopefully, we'll finally get to see Zion play a game where he lasts more than a minute against the Tar Heels. Yeah, and it becomes Part 1. That becomes the narrative, if you want to make the argument for Duke, that the first two don't matter because Zion didn't play. One thing Zion did not do well against Syracuse is something he hasn't done well all season. It's something that I'm very curious to see how this plays for him as he goes forward because we've seen this in the NBA. He was two for nine from the free throw line was Zion Williamson in this game. That's the one thing he didn't do well. He's only shooting 66% from the line for the season for Duke. So why are we not hacking this guy all the time? Well, well, let's talk about hack. What about the trip? Oh, well, the trip is, that's, look, if you listen to Jim Beheim, Jim Beheim said he went back and looked at the footage and there was no trip. I, I assume Jim Beheim looked at the same video that I did. Because that was one of the clearest trips you'll ever see from Frank Howard, who's probably going to get suspended for a game in the NCAA tournament because it was Zion Williamson. Yeah, I lost a little bit of respect. Like, I totally understand the idea of trying to protect your guy. But if Jim Beheim saw that replay that I think just about every single person who's listening to us right now across the country saw, that did not look like a quote-unquote basketball play, right? And that's the phrase that gets bandied yes. about all the time when you go and you watch a replay. And uh, a lot of times you look at it and you're like, man, I can't really tell whether or not that was intentional, and so you're going to give the guy the benefit of the doubt. The way that Grayson Allen's trips got covered, uh, you know, tripping incidents mm -hmm. got, got covered, 
you never got the benefit of the doubt. Now, this guy, to my knowledge, has not had the history that Grayson Allen. Certainly, Syracuse is not the program that Duke is, where everything is under a microscope like we see with the Blue Devils. But, come on, for a guy coming off of an injury, to have that happen and not have your head coach say, you know what, I'm going to yank him for a game, uh, or in some way uh, make an, make a, you know, send a message. And it's especially bad, I think, because it's Jim Beheim when you know Beheim has got as much equity as anybody pretty much can have no in doubt. the game of basketball. I know he's had his own tragedy uh, off, the, uh, off the court with the, 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 the incident with hitting a pedestrian, or not a pedestrian, but somebody on the side of a road driving home from a game. He was, you know, didn't do anything wrong. It was just a tragedy. Sometimes these things happen. But Beheim is uh, a made man in the world of college basketball, and you would think of all the coaches out there, it's not like he's Shaka Smart and he's like, you know what, i got to win the next game or I may not have an opportunity to continue to coach here. Right. That's where you would like to see somebody make send a message. Plus, as if that were not enough, he and Coach K are really good buddies from their USA Basketball yep. coaching days. And you would think he would want to uh, send a message to his team like, hey, we beat this team once. This is not the way we play basketball. And, and also just kind of give a nod towards his buddy. No, I, I couldn't agree more, and we will definitely continue to, to talk about, well, the, the conference tournament, certainly, and, and then moving into the NCAAs next week. Coming up next, we're going to shift gears. Clay's going to talk to John McClain of the Houston Chronicle. NFL free agency is flat-out bonkers. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Hey, it's Jonas Knox, and you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o O'Reilly, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. we got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes. Cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. Hilarious emojis for taunting friends when 
when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini-games like Digging for Treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! What's the secret to catching prize-worthy fish in exotic waters? Learning to fish like a local with Fishing Booker. Hey, Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. There's only one way to turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day, and that's with the valuable knowledge of a local guide. With FishingBooker.com, you have the world's largest booking platform of local fishing guides right at your fingertips. Use Fishing Booker's easy-to-use online booking system and discover thousands of local fishing charters from around the world ready to share their trick of the trade. Create your perfect fishing experience and search for charters by location, species, salt versus freshwater, and more. Plus, it's smooth sailing with Fishing Booker's simple online payment method. You'll always fish with confidence when you start fishing like a local. Start your angling adventure now with Fishing Booker. Visit FishingBooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Bridgestone tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended and installer near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation they'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site it doesn't get much easier than that go to tirerackcom sports to see their bridgestone test results tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires and a great deal what more could you ask for that's tirerackcom sports tirerack.com the way tire buying should be we are a confident show, especially when we're joined by John McClain of the Houston Chronicle. John's been covering the NFL for a long time, and with NFL free agency effectively over, I know there's still a lot of guys who have to make decisions about where to go, but most of the big names in play have made their decisions. John, who do you think won the NFL free agency the most? Who do you feel better about now as a team than you did before this whole process started? Well, Clay, there is a three-way tie for the off-season champion, and uh, that would be Cleveland, Oakland, and the New York Jets. Now, the only one I think that's got a prayer in regular season of making the playoffs would be the Browns, but I would have said that about the Browns anyway. And it's not just free agency. I have never seen this many trades made at the start of free agency. And the other thing, Clay, that's interesting, in the past, the frenzy began at 3 o'clock Central when free agency officially began. This time it was over. That 48-hour window in which people refer to as legal tampering, is that's when all the deals were done. So there have been more trades and there have been more agreements before free agency actually began than I've ever seen. John, we spent a lot of time on the show talking about the Odell Beckham Jr. trade and how surprising it was. 
And as part of that, we went back in time and talked about the Herschel Walker trade. You've been covering the NFL for a long time. You were covering the NFL then. It's grown into a legendary status now because of what the Dallas Cowboys did with it. Do you remember what the initial reaction was back in 1989? Were people thinking, oh my God, the Vikings, they're going to be incredible. This is a great deal. Or was there apprehension about what they had given up in order to get Herschel Walker back then? This college coach, Jimmy Johnson, had no idea what he's doing in the NFL. He got fleeced by Vikings general manager Mike Land to get one of the best running backs of all time, a guy who could run, catch, block, anything you wanted for a bunch of washed-up players. But Jimmy couldn't say because of the, uh, of the agreement in the trade, if he didn't want those players he got, he cuts them and he gets first and second round picks. And that was revealed later when all of a sudden he started getting so many players. Now, in this deal for Odell Beckham Jr., you know, they only got two picks. And it depends, of course, like always, what do the Giants do with picks? Does Beckham stay healthy? Is he able to help the Browns take that next step to get to the playoffs? The Giants have, I believe, 13 draft choices, two ones, two, two threes. And if they do well, then people will be happy. What if they draft uh, Dwayne Haskins with the first one and D.K. Metcalf, the top receiver, with their other first-round pick? Would that ease the pain for Giants fans? But the bottom line on the whole thing, Clay, it's so much fun to be a Browns fan again. And I think the NFL is better off when the Browns are competitive and people are even talking about them for the Super Bowl, which might be a little premature. Yeah, it's wild to think about. Now, it seemed like for a long time nobody would trade big-name players. When you look at this Odell Beckham Jr. trade, I know it doesn't involve as many picks, but does it have the same kind of, oh my God, I can't believe he's moving stature as back in the day the Herschel Walker trade did to you? It's bigger now because you have social media and you have more talk shows and you have national TV shows and you got guys like Clay Travis talking about it you didn't have back then on Herschel Walker. Now, because also... Because Odell Beckham Jr. played for the Giants, that's a lot different than Herschel Walker playing for Minnesota. And and because Cleveland is, has been revived, that makes it even more interesting to people. It's, it's getting a lot more talk than, say, if they had sent him to Buffalo. Then he wouldn't have gotten as much attention. But uh, this, is, this is the biggest trade I can remember. And I understand why the Giants did it. He's their best asset. They hadn't done squat with him. And they're probably thinking our best chance would be to make this deal and and rebuild. The key is, though, they're keeping Eli Manning, and that shouldn't be part of a rebuild. But right now, uh, everybody's pumped about the Browns, and they should be. What do you think about the Jaguar move to add uh, Nick Foles? Did they get a good deal? Do you think he'll be appreciably better than Blake Bortles? Foles has had one great season in, in, in his career. It was his second year in the NFL, but he's 4-2 in the playoffs. Goes to Chicago, helps the Eagles beat the Bears. And then, of course, he's Super Bowl MVP, all about timing. He's thrown more than seven touchdown passes twice when he had, I think, 13 
was the last time he had more than seven. So he's under a lot of pressure. He'll be better than Blake Bortles, of course, but he's under a lot of pressure. He helped them bounce back from a last-place finish. He's a great leader. People in Philadelphia love him. If they played Philadelphia next season, he'd get a standing ovation, not a thunderous cacophony of booze like so many other players do. But uh, he got a lot of money. And that money, they were bidding against themselves. Nobody else was seriously interested. We all knew he was going there as soon as they signed John Filippo as offensive coordinator after he had coached uh, Foles as quarterback coach when they won the Super Bowl. Do you think that uh, the AFC South, I know you covered the Texans a lot all over the NFL in general, though, but do you think the AFC South is now the best division in football? Clay, I'll, I wouldn't say that because the NFC South is pretty good, too. It's usually you're as good as your worst team. The Buccaneers were the worst team in the NFC South. But last year, over the second half of the season, in record-wise, the AFC South was the best. In non-division games, the AFC South was the best. And now they have uh, Falls of Jacksonville, and he should help turn around their offense, although they got a lot of holes on that offense. But I think it's going to be very competitive top to bottom. And if the quarterbacks stay healthy, it's got a chance to be the best division. We're talking to John McClain. Antonio Brown, bullish or bearish on how he will do with the Raiders? Starting off, he'll be on his best behavior. He'll do everything he can. He'll play hard. He'll practice hard. He'll be on time for meetings. But if there's, say, three and five at the midway point, he's not getting as many balls as he's supposed to get as he thinks he should, you know, you could see him being unhappy. And he's never failed to express his displeasure when he was unhappy. By and large, I think this first year they'll get the very best from him. He's a great player, great receiver, legitimate Hall of Fame candidate. You know Clay's going to have a huge chip on his shoulder because he knows what people said about him. But the fact is it's still Oakland. They're still not very good. And he is might look back and go, man, I had it better than I thought I did with Big Ben in Pittsburgh. How bad of a decision did Le'Veon Bell make in terms of the way he played this out if his goal was only money? And do you think it was primarily Le'Veon, or do you think he got bad advice from his agent as well? I would. I don't know. have no idea about that. I would imagine last year you don't see many agents recommending their client sit out a season and lose money. Right. Now, looking back, if he'd have gotten hurt, and uh, even if he had gotten hurt, Earl Thomas got hurt, and he just cashed in big time. It's so strange, Clay, that Le'Veon Bell set out because he didn't want to get hurt so he could get big bucks. Earl Thomas played, got hurt, and he got the bigger bucks than Le'Veon Bell. So if Bell's happy, it's all that matters. But when you miss a season worth of salary, you don't make it up. No matter how you try to spend it, you don't make it up. I think a lot of people miss that, and uh, and certainly Le'Veon, it's still kind of stunning to me that he set out the entire year like he did. Uh, as we look towards the draft, uh, I know you know the Big 12 well. You're a big Baylor fan. I know they gave you a distinguished alumni award. We're talking to uh, to John McClain. You can read him at the Houston Chronicle. You can follow him on Twitter at McClain underscore on underscore NFL. Follow him there. I follow him. You can track him down through my follows. Should Kyler Murray be the number one pick, and do you think he will be the number one pick? I think he will be. I think the only reason he is is because Cliff Kingsbury's the new coach. You know, it was stunning to people that Cliff got hired as a head coach in the NFL. 
being an offensive coordinator at USC was not surprising. If he'd been hired at another school as a head coach, because he's done a great job with quarterbacks. He had a prolific offense, but it's a different game. But because he saw Murray, because he said what he said, because they want to energize their offense, and maybe it'll work out great. Personally, I would. he was hired to help Josh Rosen. He was not hired to uh, draft Kyler Murray. If you got Rosen and you like him, why not stick with him and use that top pick on a top player like Bose have a great pass rusher, trade down a little bit, pick up extra picks because you've got so many holes. But I do believe Arizona will take Murray. The key is then where does Rosen go and what do they get? And and that is a really interesting question because uh, you got a lot of teams that are looking around and need to make moves uh, in terms of uh, the assets that they have at play. One team that hasn't necessarily done that much, I mean, I haven't seen the Texans do that much, a team that you cover. Also, the Colts had as much money, more money than anybody else in free agency. Have you been surprised that both of those teams have not necessarily been extremely active in the free agent market? No, because Chris Ballard, Indianapolis, his M.O. has always been to let the first wave go, re-sign his players to extensions, and then look around the league for the best bargains. And that's one of the reasons they were able to bounce back and win a playoff game was contributions they got on the second wave of free agency. The Texans lost safety Tyron Matthew to Kansas City. They offered him $11 million a year. Last year he made seven. Chiefs gave him 14 they signed uh, to Sean Gibson from Jacksonville, who's started every game for the last three years, went to the Pro Bowl for Cleveland. And then they did not offer their other defensive back, 10-year veteran Kareem Jackson, a new contract. He went to Denver, and they signed former Broncos number one pick Bradley Roby. They'll do like the, the Colts. They're going to sign some lesser guys that don't uh, cost a lot of money. Usually, Clay, the teams that jump out the fastest and spend the most did not make the playoffs. They're trying to win the off season to win to to satisfy the fans, get everybody fired up. The media, like the Raiders, the Jets, the Browns, and some other teams. But uh, the teams that you don't like a lot of the playoff teams, they've been very very quiet. Buffalo's another team that I think's done very well because they've added, I believe, seven offensive players they believe will help second-year quarterback Josh Allen. We're talking to John McClain, uh, Houston Chronicle. Down in Houston, um, Will Fuller, is the expectation that he'll be back 100%? I know Demarius Thomas has got all sorts of stuff going on off the field. DeAndre Hopkins, everybody knows how good he is. What's the level of optimism in the Texans universe right now? Well, Will Fuller, he will. He his timetable for coming back from the torn ACL, same as Deshaun Watson, so he'll be ready in preseason. The problem's not coming back from the torn ACL. The problem is he gets hurt every year. Broken shoulder the year before that. In eleven games with Deshaun Watson, he has eleven touchdown passes. He's a tremendous deep threat opposite DeAndre Hopkins, and he and their inside receiver. Kiki QT missed a, com- a combined 19 games last season, which is one reason they gave up a four for Demarius Thomas. And then they cut ties with him, and he went back to Denver, where he's had those off-the-field issues. And uh, people are fired up, but I think most people, including me, I'm picking the Colts to win that division this year. 
I think that's a good call. Uh, do you think that the, the last question for you, and I appreciate the time, it's John McClain waking up early with us here, Friday edition, I'll kick the coverage. Should the Browns be the favorite in the AFC North, or do you have so much difficulties picking anybody over the Steelers at this point? I, at this point, I, considering the Steelers should be hungry, coming off a non-playoff season, which is so rare for them. And let me point this out, Clay. The last time Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown were on the field together, they were getting embarrassed in the playoffs by the Jaguars. Those two, with Ben Roethlisberger, won three playoff games through the years. So it's not like they went to a Super Bowl or they dominated. I I think they'll be a legitimate candidate to make the playoffs, but I think the Browns are good enough to win the division. I believe they will be favored to win the division. The key for Cleveland, you have a first-year head coach in Freddie Kitchens, and even though he's been in the NFL a long time, he's going to have to manage some personalities. And starting out, that'll be great. But if they hit a slump, lose a few, or maybe even if they get off to a slow start, how he keeps his dressing room intact, and that means keeps everybody talking about team instead of me, that's going to be the key to how good the Browns can be and whether they can win the AFC North, and I think they will be favored to do it. Outstanding stuff as always. Really appreciate uh, you spending the time with us, and uh, I will talk to you again soon uh, with Clay. John Plain. Always my pleasure. Thank you very much. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Joined now early this morning, as we often are, by Lance Taylor at the Lance Taylor on uh, Friday here uh, from 94.5 Jocks down in Birmingham. Uh, and LT, I want to dive right into you know March Madness in general with you. If you had to right now pick a team, the SEC tournament later today, we're going to have Tennessee, we're going to have LSU, we're going to have Kentucky as the three prohibitive favorites in this tournament right now, right? Uh, if you had to pick, and certainly the teams that are still contending for two and one seeds, you had to pick one of those three, who you got? I got Kentucky. Uh, look, I think Reed Travis needs to get healthy. Uh, but for whatever reason, and I know Tennessee and Kentucky, when you saw – uh, at, at Thompson Bowling and at Rupp, how different those games were. I just think neutral court, I like Kentucky. Um, I love Tyler Hero. I think he's one of the best freshmen in college basketball, and that's that's the direction I would go. I think you know all three of the teams have had tremendous years. Uh, LSU has surprised a lot, but I think the, uh, the, the, the questionable status right now of Javante Smart and obviously what's going on with Will Wade, I just don't think you can touch that. So I think it comes down to the Kentucky-Tennessee winner. I think Kentucky wins. Uh, you've been to this tournament before in Nashville. You see how Kentucky travels. That building will be 85% Kentucky. Yeah, and uh, and obviously we got the Big Ten going on. We got the Pac-12. We got the Big 12. Everything else. And th- there's a lot of upsets that can happen in these tournaments as they go along. But when you look towards the NCAA tournament, and let's presume that there's not going to be some awful injury, right, that fundamentally alters everything, uh, who do you like? Who do you like to be able to uh, to win this thing? Are you buying into Duke with Zion coming back? Are you buying into uh, to UNC being on a hot streak? Uh, who would you actually like out there right now? Well, you know, Duke is interesting because when Zion is playing, obviously that's such a different team, and I think they're that dominant. And this is going to be a little weird because it's hard to buy into this team because we've only seen them make that run one time. Yeah. But I look at Gonzaga, and I know they're coming off a loss against St. Mary's where they had six you know, only six assists and the ball movement wasn't there. And that was shocking considering how they had dominated the West Coast Conference tournament. 
But when you look at Hachimura and you look at Josh Perkins, one of the best ones in college basketball, and Killian Tilly back healthy, to me, I think Gonzaga has got a statement or is is out to make a statement. I think losing that game to St. Mary's actually refocused the Bulldogs. And I think that's a team that's going to make a deep run. I'll be really surprised, at least if they don't make it to a regional final. And I know that's not a stretch, considering they're probably still going to be a one in the West. Um, but Gonzaga will definitely be in my bracket. Do you think they deserve the one, even though they lost to St. Mary's? Yeah, I do. I mean, it was still a team that was 30-3. and three. And, you know, obviously Mark Few has done, you know, one of the more amazing jobs when it comes to a mid-major out there. But when you start to look at body of work, you know, this is a team that beat Duke with a Zion. I know they lost to Tennessee. That was a three-point game, and they lost to North Carolina. But, you know, outside of the St. Mary's loss, and St. Mary's is a quality team. Your losses are to Tennessee and North Carolina, you know, two teams that, you know, have been number one or number two this year. And, again, the win over Duke, I think it shows you this team can play with anybody. We're talking to Lance Taylor at the Lance Taylor 94.5 Jocks in Birmingham. So, uh, when we look now at the NFL, right, we had uh, free agency that officially got underway on Wednesday, but all week long people were signing and, and making additions. If you had to pick one player that you think will have the most substantial impact on a team that was a free agent signing, who would you point to? You know, it's easy to say a guy like Antonio Brown because Oakland is in such dire need of offense. And then you look at, obviously, Le'Veon going to the New York Jets. You know, I thought really Odell Beckham Jr., though. I mean, what he is going to do for Cleveland, because you saw the emergence of Baker Mayfield. And Jarvis Landry, to me, has always been a quality guy, but he's more of an intermediate, a guy that maybe will give you 90 to 100 receptions and had pretty good years with the Miami Dolphins. But he was that one last year for Cleveland, and he's more of a two. And now you've got a true one when you look at Odell and you look at the emergence of a guy like Antonio Callaway, you look at Nick Chubb in that backfield if Kareem Hunt ever gets on the field. I mean, there's just so many weapons. But Odell at 26, you can make an argument, is one of the top ten in the NFL regardless of position right now. So I think the acquisition, when you look at the expectations now for the Cleveland Browns, I think that is huge for that Browns organization. Is it a crazy argument? And you may think it is, but I made the argument that Odell to the Browns is the biggest trade in the NFL since 1989 when Herschel Walker went to the Vikings from the Cowboys. In terms of the stature of the player, in terms of what was being given up for him, we have seen certainly a lot of big trades. I mean, you mentioned Antonio Brown, third and fifth round pick. Uh, Certainly you can go back and think about uh, guys like Marshall Falk. You can think about Brett Favre for a second round pick before he was a star. But when you consider, as you mentioned, Odell Beckham at the age of 26, theoretically still has several more years, might still be climbing that mountain of athletic achievement. In other words, we might not have seen the best from him yet. Do you think that's crazy or are you kind of buying in that this is as big of a trade as we've seen in the NFL in 30 years? I think it could be because two of the three or four that you mentioned had Super Bowl implications. You know, the crazy thing is you trade the name and the player that is Herschel Walker to Minnesota, and what Minnesota got gave back to Dallas is ultimately what got Dallas on that run to winning championships. And you mentioned Marshall Falk and me being a big Rams fan. To me, not even close, by far the most valuable player on those Rams teams was Marshall Falk. As good as Kurt Warner was, Marshall Falk made that offense go. And without Marshall Falk, they don't win Super Bowl 34. They don't get to Super Bowl 36. So those trade implications, and Brett Favre is another one that you mentioned that was so close. And if it wasn't for that NFC Championship game where he gets so banged up against New Orleans, 
Minnesota goes on and plays for a championship and possibly beats the Colts and wins another Super Bowl for Brett Favre. So, you know, I think short-term, when you look at it, it's got the potential to do that. But ultimately, Cleveland's got to make that Super Bowl run. And, I, you know, just based on organization, I've always said this, Clay, and you know this, it's so difficult for a team to get to a Super Bowl, but in 53 years of Super Bowls, for Cleveland to never get there once, that might be more difficult to do. There's only a handful of organizations that have never been to the Super Bowl, and for Cleveland to never get there is amazing. So I just don't believe in the organization overall. We're talking to Lance Taylor at the Lance Taylor on Twitter, 94.5 Jocks down in Birmingham. All right, you have two kids. I've got three. You want them to go to college. You want them to go to the best school they can get in and everything else. Having said that, this $25 million scandal with everybody faking their kids' athletic ability to get in kind of what's called the side door entry here of, uh, of the athletic program, are you as stunned by this as I am? And what's kind of your read in general with what should happen to uh, the parents who did this? Uh, you know, I'm amazed. We had a uh, former basketball coach on of a Division One, you know, um, Power Five conference team, and I was just talking about the irony. You know, these guys used to pay, and, and and obviously with the Will Wade situation, there still are universities that are actually paying players to come, and now you've got parents out there paying universities to get their kids in, and the amount is insane when you're looking at three hundred thousand dollars to get kids into school yeah this blows me away 1.2 million to get into Yale 500,000 250,000 each or whatever for a kids at uh, for the aunt uh, uncle sorry aunt Becky uh Lori Laughlin yeah yeah and and the Lori Laughlin situation is is really insane because you know her daughter when Lori Laughlin gets arrested her daughter's on a yacht in the Bahamas yes and the yacht's owned by the the board of trustees uh the chair there of USC if you've got that kind of relationship, why do you have to pay to get in? It is it is really wild. It also makes me wonder when you look at Yale, somebody paid one point two million dollars to get their child into Yale. It's wild to me that that's not even enough money for Yale to be like, okay, we'll let them in, right? That's how much money those schools have in endowments. That even somebody saying like, hey, in addition to paying full freight on tuition, which God, I don't know what it is. It's got to be sixty or seventy thousand dollars almost now when you count room and board for everything. Uh, we'll also just give you a check for one point two million, and Yale would be like, yeah, we're not going to do that, right? I mean, it it is wild to me. What is your average salary that a that a Yale graduate is actually making once they get out into the real world? Well, I mean, this is the thing. This is not about the kids. It's about the parents being able to brag that their kids are going to this school, right? Because the kids in general, obviously they're spoiled and they should be aware, you know, when you're sitting on a rowing machine to try to pretend that you are a uh, that you are a member of the crew team. Like, they know what's going on. They understand that they're being kind of uh, cheated in there into the uh, the school. But I just think this movie would be amazing because really – I don't think it, – it is an interesting question, and, and this is something that gets bandied about a great deal. How much of your success in life matters where you went to school, right? Um, and, and what I tend to think is, hey, if you're smart enough to get into Harvard, you're probably going to do pretty well in your life even if you go to a school that's not as good as Harvard, right? Trying to quantify how much of a student's success is based on a, in a university – as opposed to that student's own ability, is, I think, kind of a fool's errand. But to me, it's about the individual more than it's about the school plus the individual. Does that make sense to you? 
Yeah, it, it does. And look, and I think, you know, um, really intelligent people are going to find their way anyway. And, I mean, how many guys have you seen that are college dropouts that, you know, that they, they founded some of the biggest companies out there? Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, look, Zuckerberg was smart enough to get into Harvard. Bill Gates was smart enough to get into Harvard as well, I think. And they both just decided, you know what, this is a waste of our time. And I can certainly understand that. If you were sort of a precocious genius and you're there and you're thinking to yourself, my God, I'm really good at at building businesses and building companies. Why am I sitting around taking an art history course and having to study this? I can totally understand why you would think it was a waste of time. For instance, we talk on Sports Talk Radio now. If you told me right now that I had to go back to college, I would think, well, that would be awesome to only have responsibility of being in college. But also, I think I would get tired of it really quick because I'd be like, I don't want to go to bio lab, <laughs> right? Like the older you, it's like, I'm never going to use this for the rest of my life. Why do I want to dissect a rat right now? Now, when you're a kid and you're 19 or 20 years old, you're like, oh, I need to do this because who knows what I'm going to end up doing in my life. I'm sitting on a radio show uh, here talking with you. My ability to point out where the kidney is in a rat probably ain't going to be that helpful. <laughs> So let me ask you, if you could do the Rodney Dangerfield back to school, I don't know if you ever saw the really bad 1980s comedy. Yeah. But if you could actually do it, go back to school as is right now uh, with your your um, access and, um, and everything that, that comes with that, would you do it for just one semester? Well, here's the question. Am I living in like a dorm as a normal student or am I pulling like a Chris Winkie and I've got the money that I have now, so I can have. That's you know, what I'm saying. You've got you've got all access. You've you've got your resources right now. But you get to go back. Uh, Laura gives you a pass. You get to be you, but you get to do uh, a full semester. That would be first of all a legit old school would be an amazing reality show, right? If you just if you got like I'm going to be 40 in April. If you got like four 40 year old dudes, and you said, hey. We're going to put you back in college for a fall semester so you can go to all the games. You can try to get into whatever campus parties you want to get into. Would you be like considered cool on campus because you have money and because theoretically you'd have a great place to live? Or would it be the creepiest thing that anybody at any of those colleges had ever heard of? Maybe a combination of both. And I, 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 tell me you wouldn't watch that reality show. Oh, I'd watch it 100%, and I, I guess it depends on the eye of the beholder because I think there's, you know, one in four or five girls that really like the older guy. But, you know, I'm sitting here looking at Olivia Jade, you know, the daughter yep. of Lori Laughlin, and, and these pictures, I mean, she's obviously a beautiful girl, but she's 19 and she looks really, really young. Right. And this is the kind of girl three years ago that I at least could have stoked a conversation with in Las Vegas, but now she would definitely call me sir. So I think now it's to the point – that I've kind of crossed that line where it would become creepy. Would you cross you're Brad that? Pitt, or, or unless you're somebody that is famous, yeah. or Tom Brady, somebody they know. Yeah, 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 if you're famous. But I, I think also it matters on the average 40-year-old guy is also not in that good of shape, right? Like, are you like a you know, 40-year-old you know, ripped kind of guy, who would, in which case you can kind of still be cool? I, I'm telling you, I think the, the psychoanalysis and the, the entire process of this show – would be amazing to watch, right? For a, but how vilified? Let me ask you this though: if you're if you're a single forty year old dude, and you end up having sex with a twenty year old junior at USC, we'll just say, how vilified would that forty year old dude be? And everybody knew it on the show. 
Yeah, I think, like, so like the bat, the Bachelor and Bachelorette. I don't watch. I think you watch. Oh yeah, I might, yeah, we watch it. Okay, so those the, the, the dude or the girl they're sleeping with everybody. It seems like when they go to that secret room or whatever, and that's just that's normal. That's part of the show. But if you had this old school reality show, you know, ultimately the the, the goal of the forty year old dude once he gets on campus is to get coeds naked. Yeah, and so if he ultimately did, I think there is a segment of our society like us that would be like, well, good for him. He did what we would all have tried to do, but how much of the population would vilify the guy for actually getting that co-ed naked? Uh, depends on the guy's situation, right? So let's presume that if you sent 40-year-olds back to college, they, would have to, be, they would have to be single or divorced, right? Yeah. And I think also they would have to not have kids because a 40-year-old can have a kid that's basically the same age as the people who are on campus, right? Like that would right. be stunning. I've got stunning. a 15-year-old now, and I think that would make my conversation tricky. Yeah, and it would also be – you would be thinking about it in a weird way um, because you'd be like, oh, this person's not much different in age than my daughter. So if you're – but if the guy is 40 – Well, and, sadly, and I could probably get past that. But <laughs> if the guy is 40 and he has no kids and or he's divorced and, you know, never had any kids – uh, I think I don't think people would really be on it that much because is it a shock? Like they did that. There was this great survey that they did at one point where it was like men rank uh, based on age. Men rank what women they find to be the most attractive. I think I might have even asked you about this on the radio show. I wish I still had that study in front of me right now, but it was like men from you know the age of eighteen to like eighty five, and it was like what age do you find women to be the most attractive? And everybody, regardless of their age, was like 23 or 24 was the average age, yeah. right? Like, and 18-year-olds might have been a little bit younger because when you're 18, you think, you know, the girls that are around your age. But basically, if you were an 80-year-old man, you're like a 23-year-old girl I find the most attractive. And if you were an 18, like there was no difference in male attraction to women. Women, on the other hand, were so much more likely to be interested in men who are around their own age, Right. Uh, now, there's always the outliers and stuff like that, but I, I would be – I mean, I'm telling you right now, I would not miss an episode of this show. And it would be a huge I, hit. I agree. I think it would be a gold mine. Again, if The Bachelor and Bachelorette can produce these numbers and go into season 30 or whatever the number is right now, I agree with you. Can you imagine, like, the old guys in the nice house trying to throw parties all the time? I mean, this is basically what Chris Winkie did because wasn't he, like, 27 when he went back to quarterback at Florida State? Yeah, I, I, I wonder, though, because, you know, we all did this is the 21 or 22, or even in my case, I got up to being the, uh, the six-year senior. I was 23 <laughs> on campus. Um, and, and I guess it was forgiving if you had the 19-year-old that was the underage drinker. But oh. if we did this reality show, oh, that's a if good you were point. the 40-year-old with a 19-year-old uh, hitting on the keg, I just wonder how much more liable you would be. Yeah, that might situation. be one reason they couldn't do the show because, I mean, you'd have to basically do all these events at bars and put it on the bar to be in charge of how old the people were getting in. Because, yeah, look, I mean, the drinking age is 21, but I think anybody who's ever been on a college campus knows it's not that hard to get alcohol when you're 18, but alcohol being bought for you when you're 18 by a 20-year-old or a 19-year-old, or another 18-year-old, feels a lot different than alcohol being bought for you by a 40-year-old. That's actually a really good point. LT, uh, thank you for raising all these interesting psychological issues for us as we think about the reality show. Uh, And in the meantime, enjoy uh, March Madness this weekend, and we'll talk to you next week.
Have a good weekend, man. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. And you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o O'Reilly, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. we got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock, and there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini-games like Digging for Treasure or a Robot Pachinko Machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! What's the secret to catching prize-worthy fish in exotic waters? Learning to fish like a local with Fishing Booker. Hey, Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. There's only one way to turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day, and that's with the valuable knowledge of a local guide. With FishingBooker.com, you have the world's largest booking platform of local fishing guides right at your fingertips. Use Fishing Booker's easy-to-use online booking system and discover thousands of local fishing charters from around the world ready to share their tricks of the trade. Create your perfect fishing experience and search for charters by location, species, salt versus freshwater, and more. Plus, it's smooth sailing with Fishing Booker's simple online payment method. You'll always fish with confidence when you start fishing like a local. Start your angling adventure now with Fishing Booker. Visit FishingBooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. 
Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Goodyear tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended installer near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation they'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site it doesn't get much easier than that go to tirerackcom sports to see their goodyear test results tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires and a great deal what more could you ask for that's tirerackcom sports tirerack.com the way tire buying should be Joined now by Joel Klatt, who hates me and only has social media so he can troll me. Is that an accurate reflection of both the reason uh, why you have social media and your general feelings for me? Uh, shocking, but both of those statements are inaccurate. Um, <laughs> I know people are surprised at that, that I would disagree, but no, I, I don't loathe you, um, even though we disagree and, and my social media stands alone. But that's okay. Listen, what is pretty standard for you is taking credit for everything. Yes. And making it about yourself. Uh, so, I, yes. I mean, I would, I would assume nothing else. Um, you know, in general, I hate to brag or draw attention to myself. I'm more of a, you know, striking right. violent right. type. Um, <laughs> yeah, when, you're really not that type. Very <laughs> humble. Very, very humble. Uh, maybe the most humble person I know, uh, to be fair. Uh, when, exactly. Uh, uh, so, we're, we're talking to Joel Clad at Joel Clad on Twitter. Um, as we dive into something, you actually agree with me on something, though, which is that we should never change time again, and we should stay right here. Oh, it's, it's 100%. I, I cannot stand when it starts getting dark at 445, and, no, and, and neither can anybody else. Yes. It's, the time change and, and daylight saving time was, was meant for a very specific reason. It was back in wartime. You know, it's meant probably more for rural communities. It just doesn't fit in, like, the modern-day society whatsoever. And everyone would be more happy if we just constantly had daylight saving time, which is what we're under right now. Everybody loves the fact that it gets dark later. Yes. Everybody. No one likes driving home after work when it's dark. That's ridiculous. Amen. Especially if you've got kids and you want them to run around outside and get some, uh, you know, exercise and everything else. I mean, I it, it, it gets dark here in Nashville where I live at 4.30 in the middle of the winter. And I just think it makes the winter feel even more oppressive, right? When you're uh, getting home at 4.30 and it's pitch black outside and you have no idea what time it is. We're talking to Joel Klatt. Uh, what does anyone do in the morning that needs daylight? Honestly. Honestly. Yeah, and if you do need daylight in the morning... Well, the answer is there's probably people out there right now grabbing their pearls and fainting, and they're like, well, the kids have to wait for the school bus in the dark. And my response to that in general is a couple of things. One, drive the kid to school, all right? So you could take your own child to school if you're desperately afraid of the fact that they have to be outside. Two, they get home sometimes now, oftentimes, when they play sports well after dark too, right? So, like, the whole school bus thing, we shouldn't adjust the entire way that we handle time because certain communities have people who have to stand outside in the dark. To teach the kid that in the dark, you stand on the sidewalk the same way that you do in the light, and I think it would kind of be a good solution. I think it would be as well. Uh, we're talking to Joel Klatt. All right, so Kyler Murray. 
What yep. did you say? I haven't seen – it's been a long time since I've heard somebody say, you know what, I went to a pro day and the guy just stunk. Can you remember somebody's pro day where the quarterback looked awful? Yeah, yeah. Teddy Bridgewater did not look good at Louisville, okay. um, a pro day I was at. And there was a lot of grumblings going I on. I remember that which now. Was a, a big reason why he fell in the draft, actually, was because of that day. Okay, so by and um, large, it's some, rare, though, right? It is rare. You're absolutely right. Now, I think it's it's overblown when people are like, oh, he was excellent. I think guys are generally just good during their pro day, as they should be. And then I get it. All the people that are you know, frustrated with the, the analysis of pro days are like, well, he should be good. There's no defense. He's in shorts and a T-shirt. Yes, but there is a difference when you finally see a guy throw the football up close and personal versus on the film. You can see the RPMs. You can see how it pops out of his hand. And that's what I think most people were most impressed with yesterday with Kyler is the fact that his release is so quick. He doesn't have to wind up and get his body into the throw in order to throw the ball with good velocity and very solid RPMs. He was accurate down the field. Um, and just the ease with which he throws the football when you're standing there in person is impressive. I thought he threw the ball yesterday better than Baker did a year ago in the same building when I was standing in that same, uh, on that same field. And I thought Baker had a really good pro day. So for me, I think that they can matter a little bit, but, but mostly what you're doing is you're just getting in there and you're just making sure you're checking off the box and saying, what I see on film, I am now seeing in person. And, and it's solidifying your evaluation that you got from his playing uh, during the regular season. You, I think, covered some of Josh Rosen's games and certainly would be yeah. very familiar with him in general. Last year, he's the yeah. number 10 pick overall. This year, the Arizona Cardinals have the number one pick. Do you think, given the situation that they're in right now, they should go get Kyler Murray? And if the answer is yes, what should they do with Josh Rosen? Well... Their decision is, is, I think, pretty simple. And, and that decision is born out of the fact that, Clay, I think the most important part of any team at the NFL level is the relationship between the head coach and the quarterback. And I'm not talking about necessarily the relationship uh, from a personal standpoint as much as it is, is it a fit schematically and from um, a philosophical standpoint of what you want to do and how you want to move the ball and how that quarterback wants to move the ball and is best at moving the ball. I think uh, the evidence is, is substantial when it comes to teams have their best offensive years when the coach and quarterback and their philosophy is married together. Now, some would argue that, well, hey, that doesn't really matter because look at all the different styles of philosophy and system that the, the Patriots have used over the years, running the football, throwing it down the field, throwing it short. Well, my argument would be that the philosophy actually is so perfect between Belichick and Brady, their philosophy is whatever it takes. See, not every quarterback is like that. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is necessarily like that, whatever it takes. I think he plays a very, very specific style of football. Um, he plays a very specific style of quarterback. And I don't see that adjusting all that often, whereas Brady has adjusted in part because that's what his coach requires and that's what he allows. So I think that philosophical fit is so important. I give that long answer to tell you, I don't think Rosen and Kingsbury are a philosophical fit. Therefore, 
I think that they should draft Kyler Murray. I think that's a philosophical fit. Plus, you can go get value for Josh Rosen, potentially pick up a second-round pick, maybe better, who knows, depending on the desperation of the team that you're trading with. Doesn't mean I don't like Josh Rosen. I just think that the fit is not quite there. I think the fit for Rosen will be better somewhere else, and I think he would be better served somewhere else. When you look at Baker Mayfield and how much success he had in his first year at Cleveland, how much do you think that factors in with Kyler Murray? Would you factor it in at all, or do you look at those guys as so fundamentally different quarterbacks that what Baker did, which, let's be honest, was phenomenal in his first season at Cleveland, shouldn't really influence your evaluation of Kyler? No, I think it has to influence and should influence uh, your decision, and in the positive vein. Because remember now, this is an offense and an offensive system in college that has not had a lot of success when placing their quarterbacks into the National Football League. I know it's not the pure air raid system that Mike Leach runs, but that air raid kind of tree has not had a lot of quarterback success uh, in, in the National Football League. Clay, it just hasn't until Baker and now Jared Goff, who played for Sonny Dykes at Cal and read that bear raid offense at Cal, and he finds a guy in McVay that's a great philosophical fit, and now all of a sudden they're working. Mahomes working exceptionally well in Kansas City. All of that has to be taken under consideration. You couple that with the fact that Russell Wilson has won a Super Bowl under six feet, that Drew Brees is uh, widely considered one of the five, six best quarterbacks in the history of the game under six one, and now all of a sudden you can get past some of the things that five years ago would have held you back from evaluating Kyler Murray appropriately. Because of those things, and specifically the way that Baker played out of this offense at Oklahoma, I think it's very easy to give Kyler a grade that puts him at the top of the draft. Will you be at the draft this year in Nashville? Yes, yes. Oh. I'm hopefully planning on not seeing you. <laughs> I'm actually really excited about it. The reason why I ask is they're starting to let some of the plans for how much of a fun event this is going to be in downtown Nashville for people who have been like right in the center of the city. And it's interesting because I think that people have gotten smarter a long time you're a big college football fan like I am and what I would always drive me crazy in the NFL draft is they would pass off the NFL guys to the you know the college guys to the NFL guys and the NFL guys often would have no real clue how a guy did in college right and I think smartly it has become something now where the college football universe is integrated more with the NFL universe. So I always drove me crazy when NFL guy would come out and say, hey, you know what? This Lamar Jackson's really a good player. And you're like, yeah. Have you not been watching college football for the last three years? You know, like this is self-evident for anybody who's watched the game, maybe except for Stephen A. Smith um, when he breaks down Dwayne Haskins. Uh, (laughs) Listen, Dwayne Haskins is such a good runner. He ran a 5.04. Yeah, 5.04. Slowest guy at the combine. Unbelievable. Um, well, but, and the punter started uh, that game at quarterback. For, yeah, I saw that too. We yeah. didn't even have any fun no. with that on the show. Oh my gosh! Um, but don't you think that makes the coverage more entertaining to have people like you no who doubt. know these guys in college and can kind of you know you're not necessarily saying how they're going to do 100 percent in the NFL, but you know their game better than the average NFL guy does. I think no, no question about it. And I think as the NFL has has evolved schematically on both sides of the ball. What you're seeing is guys that are impactful at the college level are able to repeat that impactfulness at the next level. And so I think it becomes even more important to know their backstory, know how they were used, why they were used in certain situations via their college coaches, 
which is why I think you know ESPN did a really smart thing in, in putting Kirk on their coverage. Yep. Um, Kirk Herbstreit's perfect in that scenario, and and now even though Fox is not going to be doing the draft per se like we did last year in a simulcast fashion, they've allowed me to go and and I'll be working for NFL Network now on the draft, and so. To have that perspective, listen, there's no one closer to some of these elite players from a broadcast standpoint than Herb Street and I. Yeah. They're just, I mean, Clay, that's all I did was Oklahoma and Ohio State games, right? There was nobody that did more Dwayne Haskins or Kyler Murray games than I did. So, and that's what always makes me so frustrated when, when I hear these analysts or former GMs that have no connections in the college space Spouting a Charlie Casserly is a great example. He's like, oh, Murray didn't have great work habits. He's not a great leader. Really? Were you in the building? Did you talk to his teammates? Did you talk to his head coach? Did you talk to him? Because I did five or six different times. And I can tell you that everything that Charlie Casserly said was false, dead false. So having that perspective, I think, is, is important and obviously you know, patting myself and, and Kirk on the back a little bit. I think n- no one gets that perspective from a gr- broadcasting per- uh, perspective better than we do. Uh, yeah, it's interesting you just talked about the Kyler Murray story because that was a huge story, and it's one guy's opinion, and it's not even his opinion based on something that he saw. It's based on an opinion that somebody else told him. And in your right. experience, which is actually based on your own life and your own interaction with Kyler Murray, you found the Charlie Casserly statement to just be flagrantly not true flagrantly not true and and here's another thing i've got no horse in this race as far as it being true or not see when you talk to some gm or some scout in the nfl system that sat with kyler murray for eight minutes in indianapolis and has some motivation for either decreasing his value or increasing his value based on where they select in the draft that is a flawed assessment completely flawed assessment I would take you know any of us that go in there and do those games and are around the program. I talked with his position coach. I talked with his head coach. I talked with his strength coach. I've talked with his teammates. I've sat with him. I know his father. I, I mean, that type of perspective I think is invaluable. It's it's you know one of the reasons why uh, I love my job so much is getting to know and and understanding these programs and these players just a little bit better. Joel, outstanding stuff as always. I'll see you in Nashville for sure when you come into town. Uh, I'm headed out to L.A., your town. Maybe I'll see you around the lot in the next couple of days. Hopefully that will be the case. But regardless, uh, that's that's awesome stuff. Awesome stuff as always, my man. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch strata coaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com.